0: But it's just a battle. And that's kind of what I enjoy about Iron Man. It's just a lot of people ask me, like, why do you put yourself through all this punishment and misery? And for me, it's a mental exercise. It's being able to deal with the ups and downs and just kind of push through it. It's being able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable.
1: Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 61. Today, I have a very special friend joining me today, Andrew Williams. It's interesting how I met Andrew. We both attended Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida, the number one college in the world. I'm biased, but we attended at different times. We both are triathletes. And we're on the Black Triathlete Association Facebook page. So I think Andrew had just completed a full-distance Ironman race. And his wife, who also went to Florida A&M, is also on the page. And she posted something. And her name looked familiar. And from the comments, I saw that we had some mutual friends and I discovered that she's a Delta and we both pledged the Beta Alpha chapter at Florida A&M. So we had a common connection with Florida A&M and Beta Alpha, Delta Sigma Theta, and they have become friends. And I actually got to meet both of them at homecoming and recently saw them both at a race and homecoming this year. If anyone knows me or anything about Florida and M, we are like a family, family. We are a cult in a good way. So it means a lot that Andrew took time to let me interview him and share his story. So let me give you a little bit of background about Andrew. He was born and raised in Racine, Wisconsin. Throughout his childhood, he was very active in multiple sports, primarily track and volleyball, but later he focused on basketball. After freshman year, he decided to concentrate on his academics because he didn't feel that he would get a scholarship based on Mm -hmm. basketball. So during college and early in his marriage, fitness was not his primary focus. And he got up to 250 pounds during his wife's pregnancy and decided to join a gym. While living in Augusta, Florida around 2006, he was watching ESPN and they had a special on Tim Holt, a father who was racing Kona with his son, who was a wheelchair athlete. The story moved Andrew and he decided that he one day wanted to race the full distance Ironman race. So he put it as a bucket list. He did, however, start again working out at the gym. He started running, progressed to running races, 5K, 15K. Then he moved to Atlanta and he found his tribe. we had some other college friends that were active in pursuing triathlons. One of his friends actually will be a guest on the podcast, but he started telling Andrew about his experience with racing and Andrew decided that he wanted to do a triathlon and signed up for a 70.3 Augusta, which was also my first 70.3 triathlon race. After completing Augusta, he signed up for his first full Ironman Chattanooga, He participated in 2016. Along this journey, Andrew has met instrumental people who have become friends. And Ironman has become more than a bucket list. It's become a way of life. So fast forward to 2022. He's completed seven full distance Ironman races, multiple seventy-point threes, And he plans to do three this year. He finds the mental aspect to be the most challenging. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable. It carries over into all aspects of his life. And he uses it to inspire his family, his kids, and others who have aspirations, whether it be in a fitness or just in life. Andrew is... An unconventional triathlete. He's never had a coach. He's not married to his training. He has four kids and he participates in all family events. He even coaches his son's baseball team. He travels for work. He has date night every week with his wife. But he is a phenomenal athlete. Andrew is one of the first people to finish when i used to go to race and there are multiple um athletes from um bta black triathlon association i usually track everyone so he's one of the first people to finish so he is a high level triathlete i'm a back of the pack triathlete just to be honest so despite his unconventional ways he's found success and he finds that Triathlon is not his life. It's just a part of his life. He enjoys doing it. And the fact that he has a life outside of just competing makes him more committed and it provides longevity in the sport. So I'm excited about today's interview. Please join me in welcoming Andrew to the show. Thanks for joining me today.
0: I appreciate being here.
1: All right. What sports did you play growing up?
0: Like most uh, young kids, I think the first sport I was introduced to was soccer. I played soccer for maybe a year. I'm talking about as a maybe five-year-old, six-year-old. Then I uh, moved on to t-ball, went from t-ball to baseball. And then actually in fourth grade, I started playing basketball. And basketball actually became probably my full-time sport. From the uh, fourth grade on, I played basketball all year round. So I played on multiple city teams. And I also played AAU. And then in addition to basketball, uh, in middle school, I played volleyball, ran track, uh, but basketball was my primary sport. So you were pretty active growing up. Yes, definitely. Uh, That was real big in my household. Even in my community, uh, everybody played basketball. Uh, So basketball is probably the most popular sport in my hometown.
1: So did you play all through high school?
0: No, I actually played my freshman year of high school. And an interesting story about me, about basketball is fourth grade, I was the tallest person on my team. <laughs> all the way all the way through sixth, seventh grade, I was one of the taller people. By the time I got to high, uh, high school, I actually stopped growing. And all these years I had kind of trained or, or prepared being a center and power forward. And when I uh, got to high school, I realized I wasn't growing anymore. And all of a sudden now I was more or less the height of a guard and I didn't develop ball handling skills and things like that. And after my freshman year, I realized, well, I, I don't think I'm going to be going to college for uh, basketball. So I probably need to focus on my academics. So I actually pulled out of basketball after my uh, freshman year and kind of focused on my grades because At that time, I was playing basketball so much that I didn't really focus on academics. I was in accelerated classes and everything, but they weren't my priority. So I knew I wanted to go to college and that I had three years to get my academics in place for me to be able to have an opportunity to go to a good college.
1: Okay. So in college, did you play any sports at all?
0: No, actually, from my sophomore year of high school all the way through college, I was not physically active at all. I didn't do any, no intramural sports, nothing. And I actually, the freshman 15 hit me freshman year and another 15 hit me sophomore year and <laughs> continued on uh, through college. Now that I look back on it, it was quite sad, but no, I, I was not physically active at all.
1: Okay, I guess other than walking around campus out of heels.
0: Yes, exactly. That w- That was all the exercise I was getting.
1: So what sparked your, I guess, your interest as an adult into fitness? What made you start being more serious about fitness again?
0: It's an interesting story. So um, I I married my, my college sweetheart and we had our uh, first child. And after our first child, while she was pregnant, this was our first child. And, and you know, they talk about the cravings and one thing that... Uh, my wife enjoyed was like brownies and (laughs) ice cream. And it, it, it almost was the craving thing was she wanted me to participate with her. So, you know, we would just Eat. eat and eat and eat and indulge. And, uh, shortly after she had, uh, our first child, um, I was sitting in the bed with her and I would, I was just looking at myself. I was just sitting there. I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I had actually probably, I think the most I weighed in my life at that time was, I was all the way up to 215 pounds Mm -hmm. and I just knew I couldn't live like this anymore. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And the first thing I did is I joined a local gym. I wasn't actually able to just jump right in and run or, or lift weights. I found myself on the treadmill. Uh, I would actually wear, you know, like a hoodie and, you know, I would wear stuff so I could sweat more and I would actually get on the treadmill, raise the incline all the way up to the top, Mm -hmm. hold on and just walk on that treadmill for hours at a time. And as I, as I did that, it it built up my fitness, but I also started losing weight. Um, So that's how I kind of started just to get the pounds off in the beginning. And later on, uh, once I was able to get shed some of the pounds and and build up my physical endurance, I actually started uh, just running. You know, just short runs, trying to run a mile and focus on getting through a mile without stopping. But primarily, uh, getting back into f- fitness for me was just trying to lose weight after we had our first child.
1: So you said you started running just a, a mile. How did you progress from? the mile to say running marathons or longer distance and other endurance races? Well, um, in 2006,
0: uh, we moved to St. Augustine, Florida. And again, I had already started running and exercising at that time. But one of the things that I noticed when I lived there, there was this lady that would be running outside of our neighborhood. And I stayed by world golf village. So it's a long strip. And, she would be running, you know, I would see her, she would be out there for two, three hours just running. And I was just amazed, you know, I was like, you know what, I, I want to be able to run like that. So I used to run out there and she would see me and she would run up behind me and say, hey, just got to keep going, just got to keep going. And and I talked to her and, you know, I found out that she was a marathoner. And so I just became committed. Like, you know, I'm, I, I said, okay, I I'm going to get myself to three miles. I'm going to get myself to five miles. And I didn't have a watch. I kind of knew the distance from driving Mm -hmm. down the street. So that's how I measured my distance. It would be from driving. And I just focused on being able to run without stopping. That was my goal. So probably around 2006 is when I began to kind of really focus on running and increasing my distance. and From there, I just kept going.
1: So you mentioned that you didn't have a watch. You didn't have any kind of training or you just kind of just got out there and just did it.
0: I just got out there and did it. And one, I have a funny story. So actually, you know, I consider myself like a a sneakerhead or a shoe fanatic. And one of the things that I found myself running in is I was running in some Nike Air Max. Uh, they're, They're not running shoes. And on, during one of my runs, the bubble burst under my shoe. And uh, I was like, well, what is going on here? This is weird. And then, you know, after talking to a couple of people, they're like, excuse me, uh, you need to get some proper running shoes. Those shoes are like lifestyle style shoes. Those aren't shoes you run in. And, you know, I'd, at that time, I'd always just worn Nike shoes. So You
1: never went to a running store and fit and got fit and all that stuff
0: none of that I, I just had some shoes that looked like running style shoes and i was running so no watch no proper shoes after talking to a couple people after that incident i, I did uh purchase some proper running shoes my first real pair of running shoes were mizuno's and from there i kept going but i never never in, invested in a watch at that time never had a training plan i just knew that running made me feel good and it helped me lose weight.
1: So how did you progress from say running in your neighborhood, like one to five miles to actually doing an actual road race? In 2007, um,
0: my wife's cousin was coming to visit us. She had at the time, she lives in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, She is a runner. She had done the Miami half marathon and she was actively running and she knew I got into running. So she was visiting and she said, hey, we should sign up for this race. There's a race, there's a 5K there. The weekend that I'm coming, it's the Bridges of Lions 5K in St. Augustine. We should run it together. So in 2007, that was my first official race. I signed up for the race. It was a 5K. I was excited. Again, no watch or no pacing plan. I just signed up, went to the race and raced. And it really changed Uh, I guess my view and opinion on running because during the race, I looked to my right and looked to my left and there were people in their fifties and sixties, just running and breezing by me, like no problem. And I was just totally amazed that, wow. Okay. These people are serious runners. I need to actually dial in and prepare and focus a little bit more and be committed to running. So that was my actual first official race. 2007. It was a 5k in St. Augustine.
1: So after that first 5k, what was your next race? It was
0: in 2010. So after that 5k, uh, I began like I was pretty dedicated to running. I didn't have a watch at the time, but my mileage had increased. I started running. You know, I think at that time I was probably every day I would run five to six miles. So I was like totally committed to running. So you're running seven days a week? I was running seven days a week. Everybody in my neighborhood knew me as the runner guy. Some people <laughs> called me Forrest Gump because all they would see, they would see me running every day. And 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 one of the things that I used to motivate myself is like when I would see other people running, I would try to catch them and pass them. So they, you know, some of the people that I knew or people in our neighborhood, they would I would run by them and pass them, and they used to get a kick out of that. And I was the running guy. So. In 2009, my wife and her co-workers were actually, uh, they signed up for a 15K in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, It's called the Gate River Run. It's actually uh, the national championship uh, for 15Ks. So it's a big race. A lot of people do it. So I went there after the race and saw all the people in the finish. And I was like, oh, wow, I want to do this next year. So in 2010, I actually signed up for the race. And... I was excited. And a funny story is my one of my wife's co-workers, he was a gym teacher. Mm-hmm. And you know, he does the race every year. And he was talking about, you know, he was doing the race. And I made a commitment to myself that you know what? My goal is I'm gonna run that race faster than him. Okay. I don't I, I'm not I didn't start the race with him. I didn't know what he was gonna run. But my goal in my mind, you know, that I use for motivation is at the end, I'm going to run it faster than what he's going to run. It was kind of weird because, again, I, I wasn't starting with him. Uh, I, I had no watch or anything. So you didn't know what your pace was? I didn't know what my pace was or anything. So I actually um, did the race, had a great t- uh, a great time or finish time. I, I, I averaged like 7.30, 7 minute and 30 second uh, miles. Wow.
1: <laughs> that's
0: impressive. He he looked up my score after and he was blown away. He told my wife he was blown away. And, and another interesting thing during that race was I was running and I looked uh, to my right and there was a guy running the race next to me that was barefoot. So that's another thing that was kind of like an interesting experience during that race is that I was running and, and hauling my behind to get to that finish. But there was a guy running effortlessly barefoot. But yeah, that was my my second official race. And it was like a big milestone for me because that was, I guess you consider my first long distance race. Mm -hmm. And it let me know that, you know, I had put in the work and I actually was pretty decent at running.
1: So did you continue to do a lot of races or you just kind of continue just to run on your own? Uh, Those were the only two
0: races that I had did at the time and probably a between now we fast forward I've done some additional road running races but no at that time that was a, the last race like I'm kind of weird so I'm the type of person that <laughs> I'm like uh do I want to spend money on a race or if I really just want to run I just go run so I got you for me I'll go if I want to run a a half marathon I'll just go run a half marathon so yeah, so at the time, that was the last race that I did for a while, but I continued to run. I mean, running was like my thing for me to uh,
1: maintain my fitness, my weight, and, and my mental health. So running seven days a week, did you ever get any injuries when you are running that much? In the beginning, I did. In the beginning, I had a, a lot of issues with shin
0: splints, but after seeing a, a doctor... I believe I believe it was a a sports physician I went to. That's when I actually found out that I needed to invest in running shoes. And it was had a lot to do with the shoes that I was wearing. But other than that, no, I, I did not have really any issues with injury. And again, I didn't even really understand anything about recovery and recovering and getting your body to rest. It was just something that, you know, I enjoyed doing. It made me feel good. So I, I just did it every day.
1: What made you go from running to your um, doing endurance races, triathlons?
0: When I started off running, you know, I I spent a lot of time running and in the gym. And I think it was around 2006 or so. I was actually in the gym on the treadmill and I saw, I believe it was an ESPN special on Team Hoyt, which is a father and son team that were being, uh, they did a special for them. They were doing Kona. They are a team that consists of a father and a a wheelchair athlete, that's his son. And the interesting story is that the father and son began, they started off with local uh, running races. I know they've done, they did Boston Marathon and then eventually they went into triathlons, but the father did not get started in these sports until probably, I believe his fifties. And he had no athletic background, but it was something that he wanted to do that his son wanted to do. And he wanted to support his son. So not only was I moved by his love and compassion and dedication uh, to his son, Mm -hmm. but I was also moved by the fact that this man did not have any type of athletic background. And he actually told his son during the swim his son rode on the front of the bike and then he pushed his son during the run Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what wow if if he can do this one day I want to do an Ironman like it it just became like a bucket list item uh so it's something that I had put in the back of my mind that one day in my life I want to do Ironman so I fast forward and and probably around 2014 I was living in Atlanta at the time. We had just moved from St. Augustine to Atlanta. And a couple of my friends were actually starting off in triathlon. They were doing sprints and um, Olympic distance races. And one of my good friends from college actually did Augusta 70.3. So I happened to meet and talk with him at a party, probably the end of 2014. And he was telling me about Augusta. And I was like, you know what? I always said I wanted to do an Ironman race, and it's been a bucket list thing for me. And he said, now that I, I said, now that I know somebody that has at least started in the sport, I really want to, you know, jump off the cliff and, and, and get into it. So actually, right after we had this conversation, probably about a week or so later, I signed up for Augusta seventy point three, which was going to take place in September of 2015. At the time when I signed up, I didn't have a bike. I could swim enough where I couldn't, you know, I you wouldn't I, drown. I, I wouldn't drown, but there's no way that I knew how to swim, like, you know, back and forth across the pool. Yeah. So it, you know, I was excited and nervous at the same time.
1: So you went all the way from nothing to 70 for 70, a
0: 70.3. Yes. I went from <laughs> zero experience as a triathlete and I signed up. My first race was a 70.3. And I remember my first day of training. um, I actually started training that January of 2015. And I got in the pool. I remember my first pool uh, training session. So I got in the pool and I just wanted to say, okay, let me see if I can swim across the pool. I swam across the pool. And when I got to the other side, I was just sitting there breathing heavy. I had no idea of how to exhale underwater inhale so the breathing I, I had no idea how to properly breathe because you know I'm, i am I grew up doing the tarzan swim where you're actually you know you just keep your head above water yeah so at that time i said to myself i was like boy what did you get yourself into <laughs> uh but i was committed you know i had signed up when i signed up for something and you know i commit to it luckily enough i actually met uh, a gentleman at the gym that i was training at that was an experienced Ironman and I I saw his shirt and I stopped him and I said, Hey, I signed up for Augusta and he actually happened to have done Augusta. And I said, I just, can you give me some tips or whatever? So I actually started training with him, not swimming more or less, but the biking part. So I I purchased a bike.
1: What was your first bike?
0: Uh, I had a Fuji triathlon bike. The the unfortunate part is that the, the bike shop sold me a, a bike that was probably too small for me, um, so it, it only lasted a season, but it, it worked for my first race.
1: Okay. So you taught yourself how to, I guess, swim efficiently on your own with the tips from him? So not just the tips
0: from him, but one of the things that I would re- recommend to anyone, and I wish this was around when I was younger, is YouTube. So I would spend days on YouTube just watching videos, training videos, uh, just Googling stuff. Uh, so I would just watch these videos and I would try to mimic it while I was in the pool. But to be honest with you, I spent, what, nine months training for Augusta. I had zero confidence for my swim going into the race. I was nervous. I was telling my wife, I was like, look, I, you know, I just hope I make this swim. You know, everybody says, you know, Augusta has the easiest swim. You're going to just float down the water. But again, I was an unconventional triathlete. I did not have any open. I never did an open water swim before Augusta.
1: Wow. Did you not do a practice swim before the actual race though? I
0: actually went to the lake and put on my wetsuit and got in the water, swam 100 yards out and swam 100 yards back. And that was it. Okay. That's all that that's all that I had did. And so I was like, it was interesting getting into the water at that race start. But actually, I had my aha moment during the swim, I was swimming. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like in my brain, it clicked. I'm like, wow, you're really doing it. You're really doing it. And I don't recommend that for anyone. But for me, you know, during that swim, I finally realized, wow, you can do it. So I actually uh, had a had a good swim and had an even better bike and and run.
1: So how did you, for your training with the tips, did you use a plan or how did you formulate your training program?
0: So the the gentleman that I was training with, he was training for a, a full distance Ironman and I would go on the bike rides with him. I would do runs with him. So essentially I was training... A lot of the training I was doing was more full distance focus versus half. But I needed to, you know, for me in my mind, I wanted to make sure that I could actually improve. You know, have some cycling experience. So keep in mind, most of us have know how to ride a bike, but cycling over a long distance where you have hills, it's totally different. So my first bike ride, I went out on with him, he had two or three other experienced triathletes with us. And I mean, they, I just tried to keep up and every hill we went up, I felt like after I got to the top of it, I felt like I was going to die. And we just had to keep going, keep going, keep going. So I actually didn't follow a half training plan. I kind of like just followed his plan that he was doing to prepare for a full and just putting a lot of mileage. I already had the running background, so I wasn't really worried about that. I was more or less worried about the cycling part. So I didn't follow a a traditional training plan for my first triathlon. I just kind of jumped in and just did what he did.
1: So you said you were most worried about the
0: cycling, not the swimming? No, no, no. I was more more worried about, no, I was more worried about, from a training perspective, I, I swam I just knew I was, I just had to make it. So one of the things about, at least for me with triathlon and even with the amount of experience that I have now is that I learned early that your improvement in swimming is going to be very small from a percentage base. It takes years and years and years to be a great swimmer. So I understood that I just needed to be able to know how to swim enough or, you know, swim well enough to get through that race. Because, it, it, you know, from everybody I talked to, it, if you can just swim somewhat, you're good in that race. Right. What I was worried about or what I wanted to make sure that I, I was totally prepared for, which in my opinion was the largest portion of the race, the bike. was the bike. Even with any triathlon now, I, I always believe that if I have a great bike I'm okay for the run like my legs will if I have if I if I improve on the bike if I have a solid bike my run is a lot easier so I went into that even early on for my first race is that I wanted to have the mileage in and have the the endurance and the legs to be able to cycle so because I was already confident I had been running at that time now for 10 years or, or whatever I had solid running experience so I focused on the bike. I I did enough of the swim to kind of make sure I wouldn't drown and uh, I focused a lot on the cycling just to make sure that I could have a solid
1: run. Season three, we will continue the new segment called Ask the Dove. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries muscular skeletal health go to my website www.weouilove.com click on the tab voicemail leave your voicemail and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment now back to the show For those of you who don't know, as far as it, 70.3 distance consists of a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and a 13.1 run. And it's usually have to finish in a certain amount of time. Augusta was my first race too, because I didn't know how to swim before 2017. I mean, I took lessons as a child, but and I can make it to the shallow end, but I, I knew no technique and I freaked out. I freaked out every race my first year of doing draft I made it, but I had a freak out moment in the water. But Augusta was my first swim. And that was the reason my coach picked it, is because of the swim.
0: I tell everyone, matter of fact, I was on a phone call with somebody that reached out to me yesterday that wants to do their first 70.3. And I recommended it to him as well. Definitely a great first race.
1: Yeah. And the crowd support's great as well. So after you did your first 70.3, how did you, what was your next race?
0: Here we go. You know, you know, just like I I dove in headfirst to the seventy point three after I finished Augusta, I was dead set two thousand sixteen and completing my first full distance Ironman. Actually, uh, I met a couple people at Augusta, and one of the gentlemen that I met, his goal was also to do a full in two thousand sixteen, and then uh, my friend here in Atlanta that did Augusta before me, he was committed to doing it full in 2016. So I actually signed up for Chattanooga, Ironman Chattanooga in 2016. In order to kind of prepare for that race, I also signed up for uh, Chattanooga 70.3. Okay. So early on in that year, uh, Chattanooga 70.3 is a early race, I believe it's in May. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, Chattanooga, Ironman Chattanooga later on that year in September. So it was a great year. That year, you know, I'll never forget that year. It seemed like the weather here was uh, extremely hot training for that race, but we had a, a group, there was a group of us that were actually preparing for our first Ironman, along with a couple people that were also preparing for like their second or third Ironman there. So we spent a lot of time training and preparing for that race. But yeah, I jumped in to the full the next, right after doing Augusta.
1: So you did Augusta and then CHAT 70.3 and then CHAT full? Correct. So how did you transition? You said you were kind of doing the full distance training program before. How did you transition for as far as your training? Or you just kind of got with the group? One of the people uh, that
0: I met along this journey that was signing up for, that also signed up for Chattanooga Full, became my full-time training partner. He has a military background. He's older than me and he's more organized than me and structured. So I kind of followed his training plan that he had. You know, he, he had a training plan. He was He was like my accountability partner in a sense of like, he knew exactly what we needed to be doing and, We just followed it. You know, we followed his plan and we just put in the work every week. We talked about what we're doing each day and we did a lot majority of all of our long training on the weekends and we did it together. So actually he was key in helping me. and I guess I was also helped him prepare for that full distance race. So I followed his full uh, Ironman training plan.
1: Okay. How did you learn about nutrition? What works for you? Because everyone is different.
0: It was trial and error, and it's still a learning process. So the first thing I learned was at Augusta. So at Augusta, when I did Augusta, all I had in my my water bottles were regular Gatorade. So uh, during the run at Augusta, I started cramping up a little bit on the run, and it was probably because I didn't have enough electrolytes. So after that, after completing that race, I started talking with people that I had met at the race and I was active and with a lot of different uh, triathlete communities. I began to experiment with other uh, nutrition. So then I I, I, th- I believe I started off with an Infinite for that race. Mm-hmm. So I started training with Infinite uh, and using Infinite and, and it was a lot better. Still to this day. I like to fuel off of uh, liquid fuels and Mm -hmm. gels. I don't like to eat while I'm riding or eat before I run. So um, I actually train with fueling off a liquid. And because uh, it was so hot here in Atlanta that summer, we trained in the heat. So we spent a lot of, you know, we had to hydrate a lot. Um, I remember we used to uh, stash a cooler behind a restaurant midway through our bike and have bottles of water and pickles and all kinds of stuff. It was so hot here. So, and that actually ended up preparing me for Ironman Chattanooga because that race day, it was 110 heat index, and people were passing out all over the course. There was a 30% DNF rate. It was a brutal day, but because we had trained in the heat and I, I, I did dial in my nutrition, over that training period, I was able to uh finish the race.
1: So tell me about that experience. I remember my first I didn't do at the line. That was my first multi-sport race. And, you know, I thought I could cycle and I could run, but when you put them together, it's like a whole different story. And when you put all three together, although you may be good in each one, and depend on the conditions, it's just challenging. So it makes triathlon such an interesting sport.
0: Well, I tell everyone the hardest part about long distance triathlon races is really the training it's the hours and the time and the commitment you put in because what happens during the race is more than likely you're physically prepared with all the training you put in but the race is really about the ebbs and flows of the mental battle that you go through so during that particular race it was hot you were looking at people um so the swim was great so another This is another race that I strategically chose. The Ironman Chattanooga has a very fast swim. It's a downriver swim, very fast swim. Most people that are concerned about swimming or are not that strong of swimmers choose Ironman Chattanooga for their first Ironman. The downfall of, 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 of Ironman Chattanooga is the run. It's probably one of the hilliest runs that you'll, you know, experience with the majority of the North American fools. But during that race, now the swim was fine. Got through the swim, had a great swim time. It was the bike. So the bike was great. I I was flying on the bike, but probably halfway through the bike, I start looking around and it's people just on the side of the road, just sitting there with the heat. Some of the fittest athletes you ever see in your life were just sitting there and that messes with you mentally because now you start wondering like oh my god this is crazy it i can't even explain to you how many people were just sitting on the side of the road i'm talking about 10 20 30 40 100 people throughout that 112 mile bike well it's actually 116 (laughs) at chattanooga (laughs) that were actually on the side of the road, so that begins to mess with you. Not only that, but you know, mentally during a long distance Ironman race, you're going to have moments where you have self doubt. You question yourself, like, "Well, why am I even doing this? Does this make sense?" Then there's going to be times where you feel good. So it's it's really a mental battle that you go through. And I remember, right, probably 20 miles before the finish, I started cramping up on the bike, and I'm like, "Look, I pulled over." I took a um, a gel and, and a salt shot, and then I got back on the bike. I was like, I got to get this done. So once I finish the bike and I get into the tent, here comes the next mental check. I walk into the, uh, the changing tent, T2, and it's full of people laid out everywhere mm-hmm. that are saying. There's no way they're going to continue on. No way they can continue on. You got people calling for medical. They're laying in front of these big industrial fans, passed out. It was just crazy. So I had to muster up everything, you know, and try not to let that impact my mood and 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 get out there and start running. And that run at Chattanooga is something else. It's not the first half of the run. It's the back half of the run where you got all the hills, and it's just a beast. And it's I believe it's two loops. So the you start the first half, and you get on that second half of the uh, first loop, and it's the hills. Then you come back around. I remember finishing my first loop. They had this thing called the pedestrian bridge. I was coming across the bridge. Now, at this time, you know, it it, it was a low for me because I'm like, wow, I got to do that one more time. And I'll never forget this moment. As I'm coming across the bridge, I see my daughter, and she's standing there. And actually what happened is my wife, sent for my kids during the race to come up and surprise me Mm -hmm. they weren't originally there Mm -hmm. so when i saw my daughter i just lit up with energy and Mm -hmm. joy and she started running beside me and i was just like that really got me through and i'm like okay i gotta get this done now i gotta get one more loop but it's just a battle and that's kind of what i enjoy about iron man it's just you know a lot of people ask me like why do you put yourself through all this punishment and And misery. misery. And for me, it's a mental exercise. It's being able to deal with the ups and downs and just kind of push through it. It's being able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, that's a real big model that I live by. It's like, that's what Iron Man does for me. It prepares me to be able to deal with things when things aren't working like you want them to or they're not the best. It just, it's mental training for me. It's mind training. I enjoy the exercise part, but I specifically do it for the mental training.
1: For so the challenge.
0: The challenge, yes.
1: Since then, you've done what, seven Ironman yes. races?
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> seven Ironman races. I have three more scheduled for this year. So this year, uh, I'm going back to Ironman, Texas again, even though I hate that race. Why do you hate it? Because the bike is just. Flat, I don't mind a flat race. So, one of the things that I enjoy about Ironman or even just cycling is I enjoy the scenery. Okay, I enjoy looking around. So, if somebody had a camera on me while I ride my bike, they'll see me looking off into everything and just enjoying the scenery. At Texas, you're riding up and down a toll road, there's nothing to look at, it's just up, down, up, down, and there's usually a crazy uh headwind so you you ride into the headwind then you're riding real fast back then you ride into the headwind although um the bike is you know like i said pretty boring it does have one of the best supported runs though the run is great so i'll be doing texas i'll be doing iron man tulsa and i'll be doing iron man alaska i'm really looking forward to iron man alaska i think that's going to be one of those races where i'm not necessarily worried about my time I'm going to soak up all the experience and the scenery. That's one of the ones that I'm looking forward to kind of like just dialing it back and just enjoying the whole experience. Cause I don't think I would have ever possibly have gone to Alaska. And now that I have a race there, it kind of like I'm there now I'm going to be there. So I, I, I plan on enjoying that race. should be pretty. Yes.
1: So what is your favorite race out of the ones you've completed so far and why full distance?
0: it's hard to say so it, there's two races um that would be a close one and two um it would be ironman wisconsin i'm from wisconsin so it was a you know it was a big thing for me to race in my hometown uh that was the first race that uh my father was able to come to and see me race at uh two of my childhood best friends came up to see me race it was actually one of the first races that I did where I actually paused and enjoyed it. So previously I would go into a race and it would literally be head down, race the whole race. Like I didn't want to stop and take pictures. Uh, I didn't (laughs) want to stop. So for that race, I knew I had, you know, my family was there, my dad was there, my friends were there. I stopped, I took pictures. It has great crowd support. Mm -hmm. Great city, it was just awesome. So, that would be like probably number one, but I would say number two would be uh Louisville. Louisville was actually, um, I like
1: Louisville, maybe that was the only one I've done so far. So,
0: (laughs) it was it, it to me, it was like the perfect course. It was a perfect course, although that day when I um I did the race, we experienced almost every single weather system you know we had wind rain cold it was crazy Is
1: that 17
0: or 18 I believe that was 17 17 okay. 17 or 18 I, I forget 17 or 18 uh, but it was crazy and but I PR'd there it was actually that's my Ironman PR but it was the perfect course I was sad to see that they got rid of that race me too I thought it was actually, out of all the races I've done, I thought it was the perfect course.
1: I'm sad, too, because I want to do it again because our swim was canceled. So I want to do it again and do the whole thing. So what is your least favorite race out of all you you and why?
0: I would say least favorite race, Ironman, Texas. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Last year, I did uh, the, the one and only uh, Ironman, Indiana. It would be my least favorite race because something that's very, you know, so I bring, you know, I 99% of the time that I race, my wife and my kids come to the race. They enjoy not only watching me race, but they enjoy, they usually enjoy the scenery and being around the crowd, you know, just the whole excitement around a race. So while I'm racing, they like to take up, you know, activities around the city or around Ironman Village. And just enjoy it it's a whole experience to them unfortunately for them indiana didn't offer any of that they were kind of like stuck at a place with no amenities no food no no entertainment
1: yeah and, and
0: it actually felt like a low budget iron man race out of all the races i've done it was just like i don't know uh it was just a very low budget iron man race so yeah it would be iron man indiana
1: Well, well, I guess Indiana out there is nothing, so. so.
0: (laughs) But they were supposed to have food trucks and stuff like, you know, and then it rained. You know, the rain, that's the other thing. It rained and you're stuck out there and it's raining. So, yeah, but it would probably be that because it's important. It's important for me that my my family has a good time and enjoys it because again, uh, you know, they support me in doing this and it's also an experience. They actually like it. I don't have to, My every year my kids want to know, okay, where are we racing next? Where are we racing next? And it's we, it's we, where are we racing next? So it's important for them to have an experience wherever we go as well.
1: You had mentioned um, back 2011, you found yourself in a dark place and running was instrumental in getting you back to you. And we can relate to that because in 2008, I found myself in a very dark place after my mother died. And running, which I started to lose weight. It wound up being more than just something to lose weight. It kinda of helped my mood and my spirit and it was like instrumental in, in my whole therapy to get me back to me. Can you tell me about that time in your life?
0: Yeah, so around that time I was unemployed, I was depressed, and you know, I needed something to, you know, get me out of my funk every day. And that's what running became for me. It it became an escape. It's how I would reset myself and ever since 2011 that's what exercising and running does for me or or just training period like a lot of people ask me do you ever take a break from training or even when i'm on vacation like i i i like to go for a run i usually run wherever i go Mm -hmm. when i'm traveling and it's because for me running allows me to unplug from what's currently going on around me and just get into my thoughts. So I actually, when I run or I cycle, I just do deep thinking. I think about, even when I'm swimming, I, I can swim for an hour, hour and a half. And all I'm doing is just going through the thoughts in my head. I'm decompressing. And it's to the point where if I miss a day or if I don't do it, I feel unbalanced. It's just become a means of me managing my mental health. It's like I don't take medication or, you know, I. it's like my, you know how some people, they may use medication. Some people may even use different substances to make them feel better. For me, I found it in running and exercise. I could have a bad day and I could just go lace up my shoes and go for a run and come back and everything will feel fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, I believe, you know, I really believe in running is cheaper than therapy.
1: Also part of my podcast is to have um, guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you've overcome, whether it be life, running, triathlon related, um, and how you overcame?
0: A, A big eye opener in all this,
1: you know, with triathlon. And I'll stay
0: on my triathlon journey for this. Everything. Started off great. I did Augusta, got it done. I did Chattanooga 70.3, got it done. I completed my first Ironman Chattanooga, you know, 2016. 2017, I went to Texas for the first time and um, to compete in Ironman um, Texas, which was going to be my second Ironman. And I actually DNF'd the swim. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst feeling in my life. I mean, not really the worst feeling in my life, but I was totally crushed because it wasn't that I wasn't prepared. It wasn't that I didn't train. I had gotten out there in the water and I was swimming and I just, it almost like I got lost. Mm -hmm. I just, every time I looked up, I was away from, I was away from the crowd. I was just, I could not get my bearings straight during that swim, and I actually got pulled. I missed the cutoff a hundred yards from the finish, mm-hmm. and I was just totally crushed. I was embarrassed. My wife was panicking because I had been out there so long. Like literally, I had been out there two hours, and I think I was out there two hours and thirty minutes, maybe. And I was just totally crushed. I had friends that had came there to see me race. It was just like, wow, I couldn't believe it, and I had to pick myself up after that race, but not only that, but it actually, it just was in the back of my mind. Now keep in mind, this was my my third, well, my second full, but for a while in the back of my mind, every swim from that point on, I had that sitting there, like, are you going to be able to make it? Are you going to be able to do it? And then I actually went back and, and did it. Ironman Texas again and, and went back for redemption and I, and I finished it I think I did Ironman Texas uh, a couple years ago finished it I'm signed up again but that was something that was like you know sometimes things can get a little you can get a little ahead of yourself in these physical activities and, and think everything is good and then you have a wake up call and it's not always because of your training it's just because it's just not your day True, um, and I had to, you know, pick myself up, and actually, that was a year that I did Ironman Louisville. So I actually, interesting story, is my buddy that kind of introduced me into triathlon, the one that had did Augusta. Reggie told me to do it. Reggie that told me to do Augusta. He called me after that race. He said, "Hey man, it's time to get back in the saddle. Let's do Louisville." I hadn't signed up for Louisville. I had already, you know, I signed up for Iron Man Texas. Louisville was still open. We signed up for Louisville. And then I ended up going to Louisville and, and PR. And, and still to this day, same year I DNF, I, I haven't beat that PR yet. So I had to overcome it, get back in the saddle. And even now, I just keep going and just understanding that, you know, you got to be prepared for anything out of there.
1: True. I had one DNF too, and It was weird. Like the whole time I was training for my first 7.3 and my first, that was like the worst fear. I don't, like, it was death or something. And after I DNF'd, I realized, I mean, it was bad, but I'm like, it's not the worst thing in life. And it helped me. It was a 7.3. It helped me prepare for the full distance. So it kind of helped me kind of tune up some nutrition issues I had and some other issues I had. So in the end, it wound up being a good thing, but I didn't think about that at the time.
0: Yeah. It's tough. It humbles you. And then it also makes you kind of keeps you mindful of that while you're racing, you know, to be, pay attention of of the moment, be mindful of what you're doing. But I haven't looked back since. So, but it was, I was crushed. I'm not going to lie. I was totally crushed. I, I actually went back to the hotel and cried like a baby. Like I was, I was totally crushed. Like I just, I was distraught. Like I couldn't believe that happened. Like I just didn't know what was like, even in my mind during that swim, I was just out there and I'm like, when is this going to be over? I'm just out here. Like it was like almost like being in the twilight zone because I just every time I looked up, I was just away from the crowd. Like, uh, you know, the you know, I I usually tried not to swim in the pack, but I used to try try to swim close to the pack. Every time I looked up, they were I was just totally off course. It was just a weird, weird day. But again, it was humbling. I learned from it. And, you know, it, it it's good to experience something like that early on because it just, I believe, makes you better and more prepared for your next race.
1: That's true. So what's on your bucket list as far as endurance racing?
0: So right now I'm trying to wrap up the legacy requirements for Ironman to be able to do Kona, to apply for a legacy uh, slot for Kona uh, before – The legacy requirements change. I believe they're going to change at the end of 2023. So right now I have seven finishes. God willing, I'll have 10 by the end of this year. And then I'll have to do another two plus a validation one. But that's my goal for Ironman is just to wrap up and and get that Kona qualification. But honestly, it's something that I enjoy doing, but I do not think that I'm going to continue to do the full distance after that my favorite distance is the half mm-hmm. I love the half because honestly when I do a half I can still enjoy myself after the race I can enjoy the city go hang out I'm, I'm ready to go I a full takes everything out of you but I'm a real big on pushing the limits. so I really want to get into ultra running I have some bucket list items I I'm not saying that I want to be like a full-time ultra runner, but I definitely want to do a hundred mile run. Okay. I, want to do, I want to do a 24 hour run. So you don't even want to do the 50, you going straight to the 100 miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the 50, yeah, I think is doable. I did a Yeti challenge, mm-hmm. which is, it's not 50 straight, but it was, what is it? I think it was four, four miles every so many hours for 24 hours. but um. Yeah, but I, I I definitely wanna do the hundred uh mile race. I wanna do I know one of the races I've been looking at is where you run to Key West. I believe it's the hundred the Keys or whatever, it's a hundred mile race there. So that's those are some things that I wanna do. Definitely ultra running. I wanna get into uh trail running. Like just because of the scenery, you know, I just wanna like really get into trail running um as more of a a stable of running, um, so those are a couple of the uh, endurance events. I also want to get into some of the longer cycling things, like I think it's uh you know when when you bike across Georgia or or, or you know the the two or three day events where you just cycle, 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 um, things like that. But I really enjoy anything that pushes pushes your mind, uh, your your physical limits, in your mind. That's just kind of like my thing. I, I I like to stay into that. I like to keep myself mentally fit that way. So I, I'm always constantly looking for things to kind of push myself to the limit.
1: An adult Andrew could go back and talk to your younger self. What advice would you tell yourself? Uh, get
0: up and do something like step outside of your comfort zone. Another model I live by is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And, I'm glad that I, I learned that in life. I kind of wish I would have learned it at a an, a younger age that, you know, it's it's important to step outside of your comfort zone. That's how you begin to experience life. You really open up doors in your mind on things that you would have never thought you would be able to be capable of doing. And at the same time, you will find yourself Motivating people and inspiring people that you may not even know that are paying attention to what you're doing. That's true. So that's what I would tell you know, start early, start young. You know, I'm happy that I I did start this journey in 2015, but I kind of wish that I was more aware of the benefit of this. You know, the funny thing is, (laughs) my cardiologist told me that I hope you know this isn't going to mean you're going to live longer. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because he's. I had a scare during yeah. right before Ironman Wisconsin. I had a scare where I had a, a irregular a EKG. Yeah. I had just went to a new um, primary care physician and I had a, a physical, and he just like panicked after my EKG. So I went through all this testing, and everything was great. But everything was great. It, it, but it, it was as funny when I was talking with the cardiologist. Uh, he was just like, you know, I tell everyone just because you you run marathons and you do these endurance sports, it doesn't mean you're going to live, you know, any longer. He was joking, but I mean, he was serious, but he was just joking. He said it jokingly, but I understood that. But it's it's not, you know, I don't necessarily do it for the health benefit or the physical health benefit is more mental for me.
1: That makes sense. I think you, you will live longer if you were prone to have hypertension or diabetes or any other And just staying in shape, not necessarily running, but being in shape, I think it does help.
0: Yeah, you're in shape. But the bigger picture is, again, one of the reasons why it's important for my family to be there at my races is because not only do they get to witness uh, me putting into action all the training and, and work that I've done and dedication and commitment, but they also get to see other people that don't look like me. They see people that may be considered overweight. They may see somebody with a physical limitation. And, you know, at any given race, you're going to see a mix of people out there. I think that's very empowering for you to share that with your kids and so they can see that type of thing. And and hopefully it it motivates them that they can do these things or anything you put your mind to, you can actually get out there and do it.
1: Well, anything is possible Iron Man model, huh? Exactly. So any last minute words of advice for my listeners?
0: Yes, uh, I would definitely say, you know, I recommend that everybody find something that they're passionate about or they may not even be passionate about, but they have curiosity about and step out there and take a chance on it. You would be um, blown away by what you're capable of doing and achieving. I also think it's important for everybody to understand that, you know, life is all about balance. So maybe for some of your current triathletes or marathoners or athletes that are listening to this post. You don't always have to be married to your training, your training plan. It doesn't have to become your life. It's important to have balance. You know, one of the things that I openly tell everyone is that I'm an unconventional triathlete. It's very important for me to keep my household and my family happy. They come first. So I, I, I never miss a family affair, a, a school event, a birthday. Me and my wife have date nights consistently uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, I never tell my wife that, oh, I can't stay out late because I have to train in the morning. I have mastered the art of being able to go out to two in the morning and get up at five and ride my bike for six hours without an issue. So I encourage everyone to make sure that they have balance but also step out of your comfort zone and experience life. That's where it's at. Life is outside of the box that you put yourself in.
1: That's great advice and I admire you cuz you are say a non-traditional athlete and I appreciate it because some people like their whole life is triathlons and ironman and it's like they don't do anything outside of that and it can, can be kind of consuming but you seem like you you enjoy your life, you're married, you got four kids, full-time job, you travel and you still get it in. Yeah. Yep, thank you. And that's what it's about. You know, I, I this is just
0: it's just something that I enjoy doing. It doesn't define me. And like I said, it's, it's okay to live life, you know, and enjoy the things. I think that's how I've been able to do this a long time. You know, I I, I need the support from my family. And, and part of that is keeping them first and as a priority.
1: Where can people find you? And that is if you want to be found.
0: Um, well, on Facebook, uh, Andrew Williams on Facebook. Um, Instagram, I can be reached at Endure Performance LLC. And those are the only two social media platforms that I currently am active on.
1: okay
0: And Strava, or oh, Andrew Williams on Strava uh, as well.
1: Well, thanks again for joining me.
0: I appreciate it. It's a pleasure.
1: That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, Please email Runit is Jupiter Therapy O L V Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Runit is cheaper and Therapy Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.